Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. Thank you to our patrons, including Luke and Nick Gassman, Richard Taylor, who are supporting us directly and keeping us in supply of microphone cables and Vaseline. You can join them and get access to our weekly sister show, Extra Message, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. We're joined this week in studio by CNET.com senior editor Andrew Hoyle, who's with me in person at my home studio. And I have to say, actually, you smell a little bit little bit like a cross between coffee and disappointment. Oh, yes. Hello, I am here. Thank you for me being here. That's all right. You moved to Scotland recently. I did, yes. It was only two weeks ago, and now I'm back in London for um, several weeks. Have you questioned your life choices? Uh, I've questioned my life choices in returning to London. Um, I have not questioned my move to Scotland one iota. Okay, how much is an iota? Oh, ooh, it's, it's it's several, isn't it? Mm. Well, speaking of things that are measured in severals, we're going to start talking about Mobile World Congress, and that is because another company has decided not to attend the gigantic technology show over concerns of the global outbreak of the coronavirus. This uh, week we saw NVIDIA pull out. We've seen LG and Ericsson announce that they're not going to be attending. It's the world's largest mobile trade show. Uh, We've been going for many, 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 many years. NVIDIA said in a blog post that, quote, given public health risks around the coronavirus, ensuring the safety of our colleagues, partners and customers is our highest concern. We regret not attending, but believe this is the right decision. Now, CNET wrote that LG and Ericsson had already said they won't be attending MWC this year, which is due to start on the 24th of February in Spain, uh, Barcelona specifically. ZTE has also already called off its press conference. LG said it's withdrawing because most health experts advised against and this is a quote, needlessly exposing hundreds of employees to international travel, needlessly. So, travelling and exhibiting at MWC serves no need. I mean, that surely calls into question the whole necessity of a show like MWC anyway. I mean, I think I say need, I think needlessly is accurate in that is MWC a life or death situation? Is it something that really has to be done? Because we've been asking ourselves this. Um, I've certainly been been questioning, like, yes, it's a big deal. It's where a lot of uh, important news happens and stuff. But but is it critical to attend to the extent that you need to put yourself, your staff, your employees um, at risk of, of getting ill? Because it's a it's a huge international show. There's lots of people from areas that have been here. There's a lot of companies coming in from mainland China. And you put all those people together, thousands and thousands of people, inside basically a big box for a week. Like it that is not a good thing to be doing when the virus is, is still spreading. Yeah, if somebody commissioned it as some kind of reality TV experiment where you put 100,000 people in a box and one of them's got an incredibly contagious and potentially deadly disease and leave them there for a week, it would never, ever get commissioned. No, obviously not. Um, but yeah, we, we've, we've got lots of companies pulling out. We haven't heard from some of the bigger brands. I mean, Samsung is going to be there. It's doing its bigger... Um, unpacked launch event outside of MWC beforehand so that's 
it's kind of already getting its um, its news out of the way early. And the GSMA itself has pretty much just been echoing the words of the WHO in in that you know they're they're taking appropriate steps, but there's a lot of question in that is an appropriate step cancelling it altogether this year. Well, let's pick up our opinion shovels and dig into this a little bit more. Um, as you say, the GSMA has been vocal on this. It has advised people. Uh, as one of the measures to protect themselves to enforce a self-quarantine period in Barcelona. Now, the problem there is that the the incubation period for the coronavirus is about two weeks, which means if you wanted to arrive there and give yourself an appropriate quarantine, you need to be there as of today, Sunday, the, what is it today, the 9th, 8th that we're recording this, the 9th, you'd need to basically be there today in order to... Um, uh, to be there for the start of the show and know that you weren't going to be a risk to other people. Um, that may be very good news for hotels, but it's extremely bad news for people's financial directors who need to sign off uh, extended leave. Um, another measure that's been suggested is um, is to have a no handshake policy. Maybe people can use the, the, the Japanese tradition of bowing. You know, that's an excellent way uh, of, of expressing pleasure and thanks without risking well, death. One of the questions that gets asked around newsrooms, I think, is um, if the companies aren't attending, then is news not happening? And the mm. irony, I think, is always that the lack of news coming out of something the size of MWC is in itself news. Yes. You can never not have news because even an absence of news is news in itself. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you know companies want to launch their product, they want to do that, then they can still do that. They don't need to be at MWC. You know, there is still... There are still press releases that can go out over email. They can still hold separate events um, by using their different PR teams around the world. So it's not like it's their one opportunity to do this stuff. But certainly for smaller brands, that networking opportunities face-to-face with people is is incredibly valuable. So this is going to hit, um, I think this is going to hit the industry fairly hard. And obviously the amount of money that's already been invested in it by companies, by news outlets, by the GSMA itself that puts it on. Um, I think it's the the numbers that are going to come out of this afterwards is going to be very interesting to hear. The very cynical part of me did think the other day that, well, actually, for some of these brands, and I won't go into any specific ones, but I know that some basically don't have anything to show off at the show. They don't really have anything much to talk about. And some of those are the ones that have been very vocal in saying, oh, no, we aren't putting our people at risk which is almost like quite a clever PR play in 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 making it seem like they're a very very caring employer and also getting out of spending a lot of money and being there without anything really to show off. What's possible that we could see is a lot more stuff being done over video conference being mm. streamed. It's very easy to show off a product via live stream. Companies do it all the time and you could absolutely do a launch virtually over a stream from the comfort of your own quarantine facility without having to travel and risk this. But I think there's always that knock-on effect that you then potentially lack the differentiated press coverage you get by having all the world media in one place. Um, And secondly, I think it more existentially raises the question of whether a show like this is even necessary. And that could have repercussions for the likes of CES and IFA and some of the other tech shows that we cover every year. Well, a lot of these shows have been sort of slowly receding in their importance in the industry. Um, You know, shows like IFA just don't have the same impact they once did. And that's largely because companies like Samsung, which at one point were a real hero of the show, they used to launch their note line at IFA, um, they instead 
hold their own events and that means that there's a big news gap in not um, uh, in not having that Samsung event at that show and that's been the case with MDBC with Samsung doing its S10 or S9 or S8 or the S11 whatever it's going to be um, they don't do their launch at MDBC and so the the fallback position could be that these companies just send out press releases and pictures of their products which is, is fine when news still gets out there but for most tech outlets really don't like covering news just from a press release what we want to be able to do is see the product, get hands on, be able to talk from a first hand perspective about what's exciting about this product, why it's good, what it looks, what it feels like to actually hold and to use and obviously you can't do that when all you're being sent is a press uh, is a is a press image, possibly even done from a render. It also makes it very easy for companies to hide behind um, a lot of you know babble in a press release of the product that simply isn't ready yet, and you would get to see that it isn't ready in person. Are you a gigantic conference center expecting 100,000 people inside you in a matter of days? Uh, do let us know what corporate decisions have been made about yourself uh, to hello at uktechshow.com. More likely, you're the person in charge of organizing it on behalf of the convention. Your opinions are arguably more valued and arguably far easier to put in an email. Hello at uktechshow.com. Dyson's plans for a wearable air purifier that's also headphones have been published by the UK's patent office. All credit, I have to say, for unearthing this goes to my colleague, actually, Giles Turner at Bloomberg, who scored this story for us this week. And he wrote that the product, which is developed by Dyson engineers, houses a filter within the headphones with a form of nozzle providing filtered air to the user. The patent notes that, quote, air pollution is an increasing problem and, and a variety of air pollutants have known or been known to have harmful effects on human health. Now, the timing of this publication during the coronavirus outbreak is almost certainly just a coincidence and patents frequently never actually become, uh, well, actual products. And I, I went through the patent this week and it's fairly lengthy technical description with a with a fine tooth comb in order to write a single paragraph in our story about how things uh, well are meant to function in this device and the product to me it looks like a fairly standard pair of over the ear headphones except except there's a protrusion that looks a little bit like an oversized chin strap that you'd expect on on a, a riding helmet or a bicycle uh, helmet except it's uh you know, it's more solid. And there are two motors, one in each of the two ear cups, which pulls in uh, about one and a half litres of air every second. That then fires down each side of this little chin strap type thing that's that's uh, that's got holes in it, and the holes point towards the mouth. And that makes for about two litres of filtered air just over being fired towards your lips every second, pushing dirty city air out of the way and replacing it with nice, breathable, filtered air. So the question here, Andy, I suppose, is why not just make a breathable air purifier mask? I mean, Dyson is known for making air-based products, whether it's a vacuum or a, a, or a hand dryer or a fan or something like that. So, it, but it, it doesn't have a legacy with, with headphone technology. The product itself looks incredibly bizarre. Luke in our chat room listening live right now said it looks like a dystopian movie trope, which is absolutely accurate. And um, I think that, you know, Dyson could very easily market a, an air, a breathable air mask 
arguably far better than it could market a pair of headphones. Yeah, I mean, when I when I first uh, heard about this when you were reading it out just then, um, I assumed that maybe it would just look like a pair of headphones. So the idea being is that it, you wouldn't necessarily look like you've got a big um, air filter mask on. But now, having looked at the diagram, at the picture that Ian's uh, posted, yeah, there's no way you're hiding the fact that you're wearing some massive piece of uh, face wear. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really see what the point is because you're right; they could very easily do a regular uh, face mask, as a lot of people, a lot of people wear in, in cities, um, uh, and have that being powered and have the filtration systems in there. Um, perhaps, though, it's it would be simply too heavy to hang only off the front of your face and therefore would need to be braced by your dome and therefore a head like you would need to have a headband on if you're going to make a headband then may as well turn it into a pair of headphones so that it doesn't get in the way of your actual headphones a lot of the discussion around this has has centered on it being ideal for for cyclists and people who are regularly doing heavy breathing inside a city environment in 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 amongst the traffic as in a, well exactly in amongst the the the, the traffic but I, I didn't need to repeat what you just said you said it perfectly adequately apologies apologies um however just edit one of them out i'll just leave them in this little exchange is valuable um the 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 downside to having headphones on, on a cycle is that what you what life you may save by not breathing in pollutants you may d- essentially make pointless by getting hit by a car because you cannot hear the car. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cyclists I do see wearing wearing headphones, and some of them might be little earbuds where they can still hear the things, or they might be open back if wearing cans, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never tried cycling with headphones, but certainly if I was in a major city, I'd want to make sure that I'm using every sense I can to monitor traffic around me. Well, as you know, I, I take my electric scooter around the city every single day you and, do. And, and look refined as an individual, I think. I mean, you've seen me on, on the scooter. Yes, I, I think the words I use was gigantic wanker. Yes, well, I chose to ignore that uh, in favour of expediency uh, on my commute. I would never wear a pair of these, because I feel despite, st- and this is coming from the perspective of somebody who is very aware that he's standing on an electric scooter going through the city of London every morning wearing a riding <laughs> riding helmet, I would look like quite an idiot. Um, but also I would just not want to wear the headphones because I can't hear anything around me. Yeah. It's, it, it defeats the object. Also, as Mike says, put in the comments, if it's for cyclists, then you don't get any head, there's no room for head protection if you're wearing big headphones like that so now that's a question could dyson have made this better by making a helmet with a built-in breathing system because a helmet would provide the balance required that at least that you've hypothesized mm. is required um it would provide um a very clear marketable product for a cyclist or other road user um and and, and as you say, it wouldn't it wouldn't come with the downside of why is Dyson making a pair of headphones? Well, it's quite possible that the tech that they've got in there, maybe it's possible that it's um, maybe like a modular system, and you could even take part of it off, and you could even maybe have the um, the filter system could go inside motorcycle helmets, so it would just be able to retrofit inside existing helmets, or you could maybe atta- there be attachments for helmets in the way that there are a lot of helmets now, particularly snowboarding helmets that I use that have got. Uh, inserts for you to be able to put in um, uh, different headphones inside so rather than the helmet selling headphones it can't be removed and therefore can't be upgraded there's simply a space where your headphones would go where do you go where do you snowboard mostly france switzerland italy any particular pistes 
I have a, I have a question. You've got your way of speaking that you've got a pun lined up. I mean, I've always got puns okay. like that. That's not why I'm asking. Uh, a rosa. Um, Chamonix. Uh, Chamonix. Chamonix. We want a rosa in Switzerland. I've not been to for a while. Um, the, uh, the, Avoriaz is, is very good. The, the reason I ask is that you generally don't have traffic coming at you from 90 degrees. When not you're traffic, up. but other other snowboarders, skiers. And if you have a, a high-speed collision with someone who's maybe shouting on your, on your right to, or, or whatever to, to try and get your attention then it's it's very easy to die or or be uh, severely injured um, there are many uh, cases of people being having really bad spinal injuries because of accidents because you're traveling at yeah. a point of 50 miles an hour downhill if someone goes smacking into you because you didn't hear them is that as fast as you go oh easily yeah no yeah. i mean i mean i'm surprised you don't go faster than that oh right no yeah. uh, no i mean well i'm sure pros would and downhill skiers would but i mm. think um, I've not hit 50 miles an hour on a board. I think I did 62 kilometers an hour. Oh, okay. But trust me, when you're on a plank of wood careering down a mountainside, that's fast. Yeah. That's really fast. I imagine. But also, I suppose in a place like Arosa, and actually I've just noticed uh, Richard uh, in the live chat has ne- mentioned this point as well, you, you generally don't need an air purifier. That's some of the best air no, in no, the no. world, it's I like a mean, lungs party. No, I just I was just referencing that in that like the head the the helmets that you can buy for those um, are in a way modular in that you can add that technology inside in the same way Dyson could do this for as I say motorcycle helmets. As we know, inner cities are full of uh, moped riders for delivery, Uber Eats, whatever. Mm. Um, they'd be able to have that technology inside their existing helmets. Um, and it may even be a case that you could attach it to to cycle helmets as well. Mm. A few questions that are unanswered about this product, and we should remind everybody that this is a patent, this is not a, a, a an early leak of an actual product design, um, is that there is built-in noise cancelling on this, and I think that there are questions to be raised about whether that is purely to cancel out the noise of two motors that are within close proximity to your ears and the speaker system of the headphones. Um, in the patent it does suggest that the noise cancellation is both for ambient sound around you as a normal pair of headphones would use noise cancelling for uh, as well as to cancel out the rumble of the motors themselves uh, but a bigger question that I have over this is how the thing's going to be powered because in the patent there's no description of any power source, neither battery nor cable. There is reference to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth so it's clear that there is an intention for this to be used as a wireless audio system but as to whether that you then need to carry a separate battery pack or whether the battery is intended to be built in and just isn't described in the patent I assume the latter I assume the latter but if you think about it like powering a pair of headphones with noise cancelling is already quite it's already quite power consuming Um, generally that gets powered by batteries in a set of headphones and not from uh, you know, you know, your phone or your tablet or computer or something. There's not enough draw potential there. Um, but on this, it could well be that the audio is sent wirelessly, but the power for the air filtration system is an additional unspecified cable and a separate battery. Possibly. I mean, I don't imagine that that would take a significant amount of power, even like powering two small fans. Presumably, the actual uh, filter system is is passive um, in. in Using filter, the filter product. system is, but the but the motors. Yeah, but the mo. Yeah, but two tiny little fans. Twelve hundred RPM. Yes, but that's yeah. Dyson. That's what what they do. They're very. They've got very very efficient motors, particularly on such a small scale. 
wouldn't imagine would take a lot of power. Like I'd have thought even on a even on a reasonable size battery inside their their headset, you'd still be able to get a good four or five hours of use alongside mm. that. You'd probably still have to charge it every day. This is we're going quite technically deep on something which is completely hypothetical, but um, true. But that's kind of the point of the podcast. Uh, yeah, you know, we we take the cake of idea and we slice it twelve fold, and we see what the jam of potential is, what it tastes like, who makes the jam. Nine to Five Mac wrote this week that Apple released the first beta or beta. We say beta here. Beta, no, beta, yeah. Beta like Peter, not beta as in meta. Thank you. Version of iOS 13.4 for developers, and it contains evidence of a new feature that will make it possible to use the iPhone as a car key and more. The blog said that iOS 13.4 contains references to a car key API, which will make it possible for the phone and also the Apple Watch to unlock, lock, and even, this is the very interesting bit to me, start a car. A bit like Tesla. I think Tesla does this, doesn't it? Um, according to the system's internal files, users will be able to use car key in NFC-compatible cars as they only need to hold the device near the vehicle to use it as a key. It will not be necessary to authenticate with Face ID, similar to what happens with the Express Transit cards. We talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, where if you pop the phone down on, um, you know, on a bus or one of the contactless things in the underground, you don't have to authenticate first. So it'll be a bit a little bit like this. Uh, it also means the feature can work with the iPhone or the Apple Watch, even if it's run out of battery, which again. That solves my first main problem that I was going to voice. Can you wait two paragraphs before voicing this? Oh, good Lord, fine. Thank you. 9to5Mac also wrote that another interesting information is that the, uh, another interesting bit of information is that car key can be shared with other people, such as family members. For example, you. Andy, oh, me? You, being my brother, you could share this uh, with me. I do not have a driver's license. I won't advise you do it, but you could, and that's the key. Drivers can invite them through the wallet app in iOS to have access to the key on their own Apple devices. And there are quite a few car makers on board with this idea in principle already. We know Hyundai announced last year that it's got a new digital key system that's going to let phones become the gatekeeper of car security. Tesla has offered this with the Model 3, I think, for a couple of years. Ford in the US, maybe elsewhere, has some as well. So it's an idea that has at least some precedent for being used and reused in um, in cars. But uh, Andy, if I think back to just a few seconds ago, you had an opinion. Would you like to voice it? The opinion was that the big issue with things like this is that um, often it was the case uh, previously that if your phone was out of battery, it no longer um, interfaces with whatever you're trying to unlock, which obviously that's a real problem. We've we've discussed before about hotel rooms using phones as locks or, or smart front door locks that use your phone as an unlock. What happens when you come home pissed at four o'clock in the morning, your phone hasn't been charged, so it's completely dead. Does that mean you can't get into your house? And often that the answer has been yes. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that this technology, don't quite know how, but allows it to still talk to whatever you're trying to unlock, even if your phone is completely dead. Um, I have no idea how that works. That's very interesting. I, I assume it sort of hot, it bakes it into the firmware the, and the hardware somehow, so that it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's it's NFC and it works just the same way as as your 
credit card NFC doesn't have any power source. The thing I see this being particularly useful for is for the car sharing services. Things like Enterprise Car Club, um, Hertz do like hour by hour rental on vans where at the moment you go along and you literally tap in, there's a a keypad, physical keypad built onto uh, onto the car uh, and you have to literally you'll, you'll send a code and you type that code in and that locks and unlocks the car for you whereas this way everything you do you book through the app you would have it sent the the key in inverted commas would be sent to your phone and you would just hold that against the car and it would start there's no no keys involved no codes involved no hardware that could get in the way other than obviously your own phone mm. um, so that's why I see it having particular um, advantage okay that's interesting there's a couple of questions in the chat room being raised um, about how this actually works in terms of whether it's an app or not the technology is a an API that's been discovered so there's no UI service connected to this uh, as far as we can tell but if it's working in the same way as the NFC system works for payment on things like the underground and on buses, then it's built into Wallet, the Wallet app. So it's not a separate key app. But by being an API, it strikes me that there's no reason a company like Ford or Tesla or Hyundai or Skoda or Volkswagen or whoever to say, well, when you buy a car, download this app, register, and then the app pulls on the API in order to be used as a sort of a digital key. I think the idea is that it's probably quite quite flexible. Mm. Um, so so that's that. Uh, Nick in the chat room also says, I love this for home. I've already got keyless entry to the car. So I I mean I think I think there are systems already where you can you can you can do that. I'm looking at you as if you know uh, for, the answer. For, car, for cars, no, 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 specifically for the home. For, for the home, for the home, I don't, I don't know enough about the smart locks, and a lot of the, the the really good ones that are on sale are currently US only, I believe, and we can't get some of them over here. I know the ones you can get over here, I believe. Um, you, you have like, to get a, yeah. it built into the door, and the ones that I've seen, the actual locking mechanism in the door gets replaced by an engineer. Yes. Amazon has a system where you can actually get. A, a new lock fitted to allow an Amazon delivery person to unlock your door on your behalf using an app mm. um, and to, to drop off a package inside your house. So that's done, but that's not done with NFC as such. That's just done using Wi-Fi and connected devices. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, pressed against uh, the device like this would. I think it's just interesting with cars and how the, the phone is becoming so much more the brain of the car uh, more and more even things like when you use uh, which is pretty common now Android Auto and um, uh, Apple CarPlay when you plug your your phone into your car cars that support that it basically just mirrors your phone and your phone becomes the brain of your infotainment system for your maps for your music for everything Um, and so I just see a time when if you're also including now locking and starting your car there's no need to put any of that technology inside the car as standard. Your phone just becomes the default. As soon as you get in, maybe you, you the way you start your car is by putting your phone into some sort of dock or on a NFC pad, and then that's just what wakes your car up. It's your music is there, your contacts are there. It's got your maps for your for your daily commute journey already pulled up with live traffic information, and all of that is done from your phone. There are so many security questions we could raise around this, but they're also hypothetical at this point without knowing how a system would be implemented that I feel a little bit unfair in in, in dismissing those. But I think there will be many about... Such as, such as gone. Well, for example, what if somebody steals your phone? This doesn't use... Uh, again, 
this is all hypothetical right now, but if it doesn't use your facial, uh, like if your your bio signature, let's say, then stealing your phone, you're effectively also letting somebody steal your car. Unlike when you're making a payment and you have to use Face ID, this is all this is all per the nine to five Mac write up. That Would your phone not have to at least be unlocked to allow this to happen, or is that the is, well, or is the idea? Well, that, the idea is it doesn't even even need to be switched on. I mean, they'd have to know which car is yours, mm. but that wouldn't be too difficult if someone was particularly keen to see someone, say, leaving their car at a restaurant and then walking past their table and swiping their phone. Mm. If you have an opinion, do let us know. You can send us an email, hello at uktechshow.com. Hopefully we'll see a little bit of this later this year in a new version of iOS. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash uktech Enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. We had some feedback from last week's episode. We had a great question emailed in from one of our patrons Charlotte who I've just noticed has joined our live uh, live stream as well so hello to you Charlotte um she'd asked on behalf of a friend about ways people can combat tinnitus using technology specifically uh, with headphones we had um, quite a bit of, of feedback I picked out a couple here uh, we had one email come in from Paul Cruxton who said hi guys I have tinnitus and I listen to a relaxation track that lasts about 30 minutes on his sonos system to get me to sleep so that is using speakers rather than in-ear headphones and a, a relaxation track and I would imagine that's probably a reasonably effective way of dealing with this um also the we had an email from stephen law who said he uses something called sleep phones uh and it, he included a, a link i will send a link to um to the website and it's like it looks like a headband like a little headband with um with speakers in it so it's it's designed to be worn while you're in bed with your head against a pillow so you don't have a lump I think in your ear so that might be uh, another thing worth, worth looking at that's sleep phones p-h-o-n-e-s dot co dot uk uh, I haven't seen these before I can't vouch for any of these things um, but Stephen certainly seems to be able to and he, he uses this I um, on that regularly sleep with uh, it's the OnePlus Bullets Wireless 2 in my ear because they are very good at isolating sound and I can't hear anything in the room oh, and they are small enough to fit in without really noticing too much well the question I mean you went on last week but the question we had was about a replacement for some Bose uh, in-ear earphones that were used for someone with tinnitus to sleep in oh. what do you th- you could you can sleep in these I, I I most nights do sleep with what are with they called these. again the they're the one plus bullet wireless two they are an excellent pair. I also think the sound quality is is awesome on them the battery life is great they recharge very quickly and hmm. um, they are a neck band well they're you know they're wireless but with a a wire connecting them hmm. um and which I much prefer to individual ones like the airpods because I have two different brands now, and I've used those individual ones. I have lost an individual headphone. 
uh, one I think was Jam Audio. I was walking down Old Street and one pinged out my ear, crossed the floor and went down a drain. Okay, uh, and just one more time, what they're one, called? One Plus, as in the phone brand, One Plus Bullet Wireless 2. I use them daily, all the time with my main headphones and sleep in them almost every night. Well, do you know someone else who does things daily? Uh, is it Daily Thomas? It, Daily Thomas. Yes, it is Daily Thomas with his Merit News Show. Um, no, it is Tom Merritt with the Daily Tech News Show. Um, and we're going to hear from him uh, in just a few moments about what's been happening in the wider world of global tech this week. This week on DTNS, we cover the coronavirus effect on factories, conferences, and shipping. Shipping may be the most likely way you'll notice if products take longer to get to you. We also cover the U.S. election fiasco in Iowa and why basic IT practices could have avoided it. We talk about how a film from 1896 got upscaled to 4K, whether publicly accessible data is the same as publicly available data. It's not. And Patrick Norton gives us the latest on picking a new laptop. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. There was Daily Thomas. Thank you very much. Um, we also have uh, an extra message that went out on the feed for patrons earlier this week where I talked about some of the difficulties in being both a journalist and a human that really, really doesn't want to use WhatsApp. It's very problematic if you are a European person because basically everyone in Europe uses WhatsApp um, above all other things. Uh, but it's particularly tr uh, problematic as a journalist as well on top of that because so many sources are, and that sources is in sources of information, um, want to use WhatsApp and so you can possibly move your friends to uh, to another platform, but it's very difficult to convince a source. It's in their interest too. So that's all out now on the extra message uh, feed. Uh, you can get that at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And uh, Andy and I are going to record um, another extra message this w for, for the next episode, which uh, we're both under an embargo for, which is why we can't do it live, but uh, something special that will be going out later on this week. So look after I'll rather look out for that. Um, Before we finish, yeah, and I don't really need to say if it's on the podcast, but I'm, I am amazed that this tin of Vaseline, which you mentioned in the top of the show, um, Vaseline is basically a lubricant, and yet this tin is completely sealed shut. So I don't know how that happens. It's like it's a tin of glue. How do you know it's Vaseline inside it? Well, it says Vaseline on the outside, and you told me that you have a tin of Vaseline here, but that's completely sealed. Hang on. This is this is one for the ASMR fans of the world. Hang on. There you go. All right. Do you want some? No, I don't. But I don't know how how a tin of uh, how a tin of lubricant mm -hmm. can become so impossibly sealed. If you're a fan of irony, do let us know your favourite ironic fact. Uh, hello at UKTechShow.com. Uh, Andy, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure of yours to be here this week. Um, please tell everybody what you've been working on recently. Your uh, YouTube video has been very interesting lately. Thank you. Yes, you can. I do a YouTube uh, channel all about the photography that I do. Um, you can find that at Andrew Langson Photography on YouTube. Uh, you could find me on Instagram with at BatteryHQ, also on Twitter with at Battery. HQ. Um, do go and follow my um, YouTube channel if you're at all interested in photography or some of the nonsense I get up to because um, it's a very small channel. It's, I'm trying to grow it. 
Um, and subscribers does really help. And if you want to engage by liking, commenting, then that helps massively as well. I have to say, I watched um, one of yours recently, the one about the ridiculously long exposure you did down under Canary uh, Wharf. Canary Wharf. Yes. How how long was that? Like eight minutes? It was eight, eight, about eight and a half minute exposure for one image, which was a long time. But I think the result uh, was pretty cool. Um, and of course, now I've moved to Scotland. Uh, I'm currently building a photography studio. So I'm going to have lots of videos around that and some of the tech involved and obviously lovely, beautiful shoots in and around Scotland. Mm, excellent. Well, that is uh, Andrew Langson Photography on YouTube. Go and find that. We'll have some links in the show notes, of course, as well, uktechshow.com and in the MP3 description here. I would recommend uh, at least checking out the long exposure bid. It's good. Uh, it's a good sample. Um, thanks, everyone, listening live. We've got Charlotte. We've got Luke, Mike. We've got Nick, Richard. We've had others earlier. Uh, Andy, it's been uh, it's been fun. Thank you very much. We're going to go and record extra message, so look out for that later in, in the week. Uh, and for the time being, um, if you need Vaseline, just give me a shout. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 